Okay, there appears to be a queue of people waiting in line to see um, Louis Theroux. Louis Theroux has been very good walking amongst the people and speaking to the flock. So if I wait my turn, I may be with the chance of speaking to him. Maybe a long wait though. And there appears to be uh, a guy who's monopolizing him. See how it goes. Is it going to end like this? Yay! Or like this? Getting closer now. This is a bit like some kind of safari, some kind of attack celeb safari. Uh, just waiting to uh, see the uh, one of the big five, as it were. Uh, so uh, Louis Theroux will hopefully speak to me in about two minutes, unless his PA whisks him off somewhere. It's very exciting. Um, right, I'm here with uh, actual Louis Theroux, who's going to um, tell us what he thinks about this event called DTX, uh, an EdTech event. Well, I'm just happy to be here. I've just been talking on stage about my work programs I've been making, and specifically the, wo the weird world we find ourselves in, increasingly ruled over by technology and algorithms, and the way in which that intersects with human behavior. So it's a pleasure being here, meeting Peter, and um, you know, enjoy the rest of the podcast. Thank you very much, Louis. Right, so just a random walk for you. I don't know if you can hear the murmuring going on around me. So what I can see, um, I'll pick it out at random. So I've got Yamaha Unified Communications, just to give you a view of an idea, a flavor of what uh, this event is about. One room, immersive learning and meeting environments. I'll be speaking to people like that later. A gamma omni-channel customer engagement. Um, at the future of the workspace, video and AV stage. Um, celebration bar, ooh, distracting. Okay, Enfon cloud telephone system. Uh, a lot of cloud-related stuff. Um, cloud transformation stage. Solstice conference lightware. Hmm, interesting. Not sure if I know what they do, to be honest. Um, Ring Central, message, video, phone, contact center connected. Uh, Twilio, engage customers on any channel, any time. Um, eight by eight, meet IECast, the experience communications platform. Hmm, must have a look at those later. So I'm just wandering around, just thinking, uh, who do I want to go and speak to? Now, who will be relevant to the world of education? Uh, over the next few years. So how can video be used in education to make a difference? Step in, Paul Rose from You Teach Me and You Teach Me Too. Hello, Paul Rose. It's been a long time. It certainly has, Pete. How are you? I'm great, you know. I really am. And it, it's really good to catch up with you because I know that we've had, uh, as I was saying before, some very meaningful conversations about education and ed tech over the years. And so much has happened uh, since we've had those conversations. But of course, uh, the world of social being as it is, we've been watching each other from afar. We have. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, me too. So where, where do we start? Should we start with uh, You Teach Me and You Teach Me Too, which is where we're at at the moment. And then, of course, we um, through that, we can we can rewind and think about some of the, well, sorry, the, the many challenges that have uh, that you first surmounted to get to where you are now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Shall I start with You Teach Me? Yeah, please. Brilliant. So um, my background is um, I trained as a primary school teacher, but worked all of my career in early years and key stage one. Um, eventually becoming a uh, head teacher of, of an infant school in Derby. Um, it turned out to be a, a quite significantly failing school. And um, I was able, lucky enough, to be able to turn the school around by paying a very inexperienced teaching team to go and sit in uh, outstanding schools in, in the city. 
sent them out in teams with consultants and um, then enabled them to bring back what they'd learned um, and embed it into their own provision. And um, we scraped a satisfactory 10 days after Ofsted raised the bar in 2011. 18 months later, um, Ofsted came back and said, you can't be outstanding, you've improved too quickly. Um, and in that intervening period, we quadrupled standards in the school. And albeit from a very low starting point, um, but we went from half national average to 20 percentage points above national average with a teaching team, none of whom had taught for more than three years at that point. Um, and that experience led us as a leadership team to start talking about technology and why there wasn't a technology that would enable schools to do what we'd been doing. You know, we were working 100 hours a week as a leadership team um, and had young families. And it was obvious that what we'd done was extreme and successful, but not sustainable in terms of, you know, any, any school feasibly being able to improve at that rate and work in that way. So we started thinking about technology and I came up with the idea for you to teach me. Fantastic. Uh, does anything uh, leap out at you um, in terms of um, the improvements that you're making? So you're going into schools you know, with your beleaguered members of staff and uh, consultants alongside them, and they were bringing back these things that they were, they were, they were observing in outstanding schools. Um, are there any uh, clear takeaways from that that still you still remember? Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was all about the fundamentals of teaching and learning. So, you know, two thirds of our teaching staff were in their NQT year when we had that first inspection where we scraped a satisfactory. Um, and at that point, we had standards half a national average and we, we still managed to achieve a satisfactory because what we were able to do was to plan a teaching and learning professional development experience um, whereby the staff went with very experienced consultants um, to look at a specific thread around around questioning or around differentiation or around um, managing uh, students with inclusion needs, etc. Um, and each time it went out, they went, they observed teaching and learning, they, they had release time with the teaching staff so that they could basically unpick what had been planned, how it had gone, what the teacher had reflected on straight away at the end of the lesson, and really gave our teachers the opportunity to watch and learn from people who'd been teaching for many years who were you know, very competent in the, the roles that they were doing, in the year groups that they were in. And that the fundamentals of that is what led to You Teach Me because I was looking at it going, rather than me paying my teachers to get in their cars and go and sit in a classroom, wouldn't it be better to look at how we say to those teachers who are working you know, at a very, very high standard, um, would you create teaching content a la YouTube you know, if that was the original idea. If YouTube was safe and able to be used in schools and populated entirely by content created by um, education professionals showing how they teach stuff, not demonstration lessons, but, you know, how do you teach a child um, to add two two-digit numbers? What's the vocabulary used? What's the intonation used in your voice? What's the pace at which you speak? And how does that compare with a teacher working with a year seven student, for example? Um, and, and therefore, you know, creating a, a bank of knowledge and expertise that mirrors those same things. What does teaching and learning look like in different classrooms, in different schools, in different contexts? And technology harnessed in the right way could really make a difference. So mm. I would say those, those are the takeaways, really. The fundamentals of quality teaching and learning. Mm. 
So um, I'm assuming that what what actually what people actually get with you teach me and you teach me too is um, quality teaching, of course, but on video. So, what kind of challenges did you encounter then, ensuring that you're not just having um, you know mediocre lessons, but on video, you've actually got really good quality teaching? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the first challenge that was basically how do we how do we take time-strapped teachers and encourage them to create video content that will be critiqued by other professionals, which was probably the biggest barrier. And initially, um, I said to my long-suffering wife, bless her, um, I want to use our life savings to provide financial incentives for teachers. So we got an agreement in place with the Inland Revenue that allowed us to do just that. And I started giving away our life savings to teachers to encourage them to create content. Um, the net result was, though, on, you know, that the laws of, un, of unintended consequences was that teachers stopped watching the videos made by other teachers because there was a financial incentive in there and, and watching somebody else's content meant that they were less likely to be financially rewarded. So I'd given up my job, having turned around this school, I'd given up my job, created a company and then created a collaborative way of working where people wouldn't collaborate by the very nature of it. Um, so we stopped went back to the drawing board and said, okay, how do we overcome this problem? Um, and, and what had always been on the kind of roadmap was attaching learners to the teachers. So that when a teacher goes in and searches for um, content in subjects that they're not confident in teaching, for example, um, to be able to watch a, a video designed to support le learners to learn something and to be able to click and then click again and make it appear in in their learners accounts um seemed the natural way to go and so i sat down with my web developers at the time and said uh, right i want to i want to create student accounts and i want to attach them to the teachers so that they can start to take video content as well as create their own um and then push it out to students and my developer said yeah that's simple that'll take you know six weeks and it took in the end it took three years um in fact, over three years because as soon as we bolted the teacher account and the student accounts together, it suddenly became about how you use a technology to teach. So it, it stopped being a, a, a video hosting platform and it became a methodology by which teaching can happen. Um, because obviously, you know, the whole thing about differentiation and, and all of that kind of stuff is you can't send the same video to all 30 students in every lesson and assume that it's going to be quality teaching and learning you have to be able to target individual students you have to be able to target groups of students um and and from there it, then we just descended into well actually if we're, if we're going to do this for students and how students access the content what about the teachers so how do we connect teachers together so that they're able to work together across their school digitally so in a secondary school how does the maths department support the work of the technology department by being digitally connected um and and what does leadership look like middle leadership senior leadership and how do you support you know how people are working in their in their in their schools um and then it started to be well actually if we're going to do that we might as well look at how we connect schools together um and how do how do you and take the best of the big social media platforms so youtube video learning obviously um, but Twitter, with its edu Twitter style following teachers, wouldn't it be great if you could go in and find video content made by professionals and go, yeah, that's good. Uh, mm. I'll have that. I'll bring it into my school or I'll use it with my students. Um, but I'll follow you. 
so that any new video content you make lands in my account. I can favorite it. I can then go and teach with it, et cetera. Um, and then looked at Facebook and said, what is it that Facebook does that's so powerful, which is basically connect people with like-minded interests. Um, and, and therefore, how, how do you take the principles of that and build networks? So where you're looking at a multi-academy trust or a teaching school alliance or a local authority to be able to create networks where each leader, each Senko, for example, across mm. a trust or an alliance or a local authority, or even nationally, you know, yeah. every Senko can join into that network where they're all connected and they can all send and share content with each other that they've made, that they've searched for, that they've, that's been created by somebody they're following. So the principles of social media with all the nasty stuff stripped out and then put into the hands of professionals to say, you can create content and in doing so shared with your colleagues here, you can choose to share it with colleagues in other schools. Um, but ultimately what you're doing is taking that content and clicking on, clicking a button and making it appear to your learners before mm. lessons for pre-teaching during lessons, you know, for extension and, and challenge um, and support, obviously scaffolding learners with additional needs to be able to have a video made by their teacher that sits on a device next to their, when, when they're doing their work. And if they forget the key points or they need a, rev a revision of it, press play and there's your teacher sat with you, scaffolding you along. And mm. then you start looking at it and going, okay, so if you've got that connection and you bring parents into it the challenges of how do you, how are you teaching my child to add two two-digit numbers like that this one single video that's sat in your child's account that's how we're doing this and in that way you get parental engagement and so on and so forth so what started out as a six-week okay we've got a problem that we need to solve became actually you know a, a three-year plus pursuit of how does how do schools work and how do teachers teach and how do you use technology to to deliver the kinds of change that we'd experienced in a mainstream infant school um, and how do you do that across multiple schools and I think that then became the next challenge about as we as we started to develop and get out there and talk to schools we started to to have conversations with special schools and then with deaf schools uh, with hospital schools now with alternative provision etc etc and what does teaching and learning look like in those settings so the challenge has very much continued. Yeah, and and through that, of course, you're building communities, which we which we hear about in a sec. And really, we should be shoehorning the word metaverse into this uh, podcast at some point, shouldn't we? I think. But anyway, let's let's uh, rewind a little bit then. So the initial iterations were very resource heavy and therefore not sustainable. The next um, iterations were um, beset with technical glitches, which goes with the territory, of course. And once you'd surmounted those, you were where you needed to be, but obviously sort of piggybacking on initial um, social enterprises uh, like uh, Edu Twitter and, and YouTube and so on. So, um, I mean, just to, I don't, I don't know how techy a question this is, but um, if I was one of your students and I wanted, um, I wanted some content that was tailored to, to me and I wanted to be part of a community, um, how would I ensure that I was getting the right content? content and um, pushed out to me by by the teacher mm. so this is a challenge the whole question of moderating content um, has always cropped up and i've tried over the years i've tried every different permutation of answers so there's there's the self-moderation which is teachers who look at you teach me and say i can grab an iPad or grab my phone and I can hit record and just create a basic video 
You know, there's nothing high tech about it. It's just hit record and start talking. Um, and I can make that video to enable me to communicate to my learner or learners what it is that they need to learn. So it might be, this is for students with, with additional needs, this is the key bits of the teaching I'm, I'm going to do in the lesson tomorrow. So not flipped learning, pre-teaching. Hmm. So just to say, I'm going to send it to you tonight, your homework tonight is to start accessing the key elements of my teaching for tomorrow. Or flip it on the, the other side to create, to hit record and, and create a video that is designed to be pushed out to more able learners to provide that extension challenge. Um, that's really simple to do. But the difficulty is how do you make it so that um, teachers are willing to share and the truth is, you can't. You can't make it so that every teacher goes, yeah, yeah, that's a great idea. I'm happy to be critiqued by my colleagues, by my students, and by my students' parents. So lots of teachers self-moderate and go, no, nah, it's not for me. Mm. But that doesn't alter the fact that there is an enormous amount of schools out there. And there, within every single school, there are those experienced confident teachers who are all who also understand the power of technology and the fact that they can influence the teaching knowledge expertise and practice of others in their own school mm. and in other schools so if you look at the challenges of scalability um allied with how do you ensure that the student gets the right content well the the, the teaching content is being created by the more confident teachers typically because less confident teachers have self-opted out. So the content from those teachers doesn't exist. And therefore, what tends to happen is SLEs um, are creating content for use in their schools. Um, and when you then start to look at it and say, okay, so if you've got quality content in there that's designed to support learners, who sees it? Well, the person who's created it says actually this is only for our school or this is only for our trust or our alliance or actually anybody can see this um and so we've got um great examples of teachers in special schools bringing in teaching content from mainstream schools and using it to, to, to challenge and support students in particular subjects who have a more academic ability or a more physical ability and therefore those students in a special school are actually getting taught by teaching created in mainstream schools. So mm -hmm. the answer to the question is the teacher who, who either makes the content and is therefore a more confident teacher or who finds the content, watches it, gets the benefit of the professional development of going, ah, right, that's what teaching in a special school looks like. Okay, I've got a student with additional needs. I can replicate that. So you teach me isn't necessarily about saying uh, video content is how is how students learn. It, it absolutely begins with that experience of my teachers going out to other schools, sitting in lessons and going, oh, that's how you teach. That's what it mm. looks like. All oh, right. OK, I can talk like that. I can use that intonation. I can talk with that pace. Um, I'll just go and embed it into my practice. Or that's the really useful video. And I know the one student or the six students or every student who's going to benefit from watching that, I will take the professional um, decision to share that video with the student. So the students see what the teacher um, or member of support staff, whoever it is that is working with that young person, chooses for them to see. And in mm -hmm. that respect, you know, you teach me is no different to any other 
teaching and learning resource bank, you know, whether it's mm. Twinkle or Times Ed or wh whatever it is, there is a professional judgment that's made. I think mm. the difference with you teach me is because it's video format, it's so much more powerful. Yeah, and from a functionality point of view, um, what have you learned from the likes of Adju Twitter and, and, um, and Twinkle and, and YouTube, of course, in terms of things like building communities and ease of use? I think it's what I've learned is what really matters. And, and what really matters is people need support. You know, I, I trained as a primary school teacher. And as I said at the beginning, I, I spent my entire career working in infants, um, early years in infant schools. But if I'd have gone and picked up a job in a, in a primary school or a junior school, I'm qualified to teach it, but never in my career so far have I worked in those year groups. And, and therefore, how, you know, back in the day, I, I was an outstanding teacher at one point. But if I'd have been moved to a different key stage where I've never taught before and I don't know the curriculum and I don't necessarily know the assessment models, how am I supposed to be an outstanding teacher? It's an impossibility. And... And certainly in, you know, the, the climate that's been in education for a long time now, which is, you know, good or outstanding progress from day one, um, you know, outstanding teaching, et cetera, et cetera. It's completely unrealistic because if you've been working in a nursery in a primary school and your head teacher says for your professional development, you're going to year six now. Well, most primary schools have, you know, nursery children who are functioning at 12 to 18 months. Some of the some of the children will be and still in nappies. Um, and in the same primary school in year six, you've got able students who are functioning like year seven, eight, year nines. Mm. And, and the, the jobs are completely different. So what I've learned by looking at what's out there is there's this enormous thirst for knowledge and expertise and support. Edu Twitter is absolutely rammed with people going, how do I do this? Anybody got any ideas on that? Mm -hmm. And, and what, what gets shared through those services, you know, be it, Type written ideas in a tweet or be it downloadable documents and you know planning and worksheets and all that kind of stuff the problem is the teaching is always missing so you can take somebody else's planning but you're not going to deliver the lesson that they designed but if you take yes. a video that they've made to send it to their students and they send it to their students and their students learn from it and and therefore they go yeah yeah i'm happy to share that wider then what you get is teaching knowledge and expertise that migrates to to the learner and with you mm. teach me, we don't talk about children as learners um, because everybody's a learner. Mm. So, you know, you're the, you're the nursery teacher moved to year six. And if you're able to tap into year six teachers working in your trust, in your alliance or anywhere in the UK, you're getting their direct experience in video format where you become the learner. And then once mm. you've taken from it what you will, which might be to say, actually, this isn't quite right for my students, but that's a really interesting way of teaching it. Or, no, this is perfect for my students. And I'll take that and I'll send it out and I'll say to parents, this is what we're doing. Um, mm. That's where you get the transformational stuff. So the, the, the medium of video, you know, all the world's going video-wise, for education means that a teacher in a deaf school, so we, we're working with a deaf school where one of the UK's leading deaf uh, maths teachers is creating GCSE content in sign language. Because you look at the wider challenges of education, of how do you meet the needs of every student, regardless of who they are and, and, you know, they arrive in your classroom. And if you're a teacher and you've got a deaf student in your class, how are you, how are you meant to meet their needs? There's no, there's no specialist training out there particularly that you can, you can take on. Um, what support there is certainly isn't cross-curricular. 
But if you're able to tap into a deaf school where teachers are teaching using sign language and teaching Pythagoras theory, um, then you're able to go, oh, right, okay, there's the math, right, I'll click on a button, I'll send teaching from a, a specialist setting out mm. to my one student who needs it, then you start to get into real transformation of teaching and learning, professional development, parental engagement and everything else. Yeah, and I suppose this is something you touched upon before that I thought was fascinating. Um, you were talking about sort of the cream coming to the top and a little bit like uh, Wikipedia or something like that, where you know, the, um, the, 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 the best comes to the top and everything else doesn't really exist anymore because it's not part of the um, part of the process. So you talked about how only the best teachers, the most confident teachers want to actually participate in these videos. Um, but do you have any issues with quality control at all? Um, quality control has always been the question. How do you, how do you, who, who says this is the right video or this is, you know, the content in the video. So we've built in mechanisms where videos can be challenged through an, through an automated process. So there's every single video on you teach me has a, an orange flag and a red flag. The orange flag, if you click on it has check boxes that you can tick that say, I think there's an error in your video. I, I know there's, there's a mistake in your video. You've got a spelling mistake, those kinds of things that will ping back to the video uh, creator and it comes to us as well. Um, the red flag is open type of all. You can send a message to us to say this is inappropriate and we can instantly take it down. Um, but in terms of you know, moderation of content, I think there is an obsession in education about, well, you know, there's a lot of duff teaching going on out there. Mm. And, and as a former head who's taken a school through a, ra a, a rapid development period um i understand that there are teachers out there you know who are new in new year groups or you know changed phases or have moved from mainstream into a specialist setting and and they're learning but i, I personally don't believe that there's room in education now for many teachers who are actually not able to teach mm. i think there's a lot of teachers out there who would benefit from the kinds of professional development and support that actually they don't get um, but the difficulty has always been when I enter into conversations with school leaders, understandably, the, the question is always, well, who moderates the content? And mm. who are we as, as a company to say any, any video made by any education professional employed by a school is creating content that is good enough to be on You Teach Me or not? So mm. I've for a long time said, if a teacher can grab a, a device, so I used to teach... Uh, in a year two class, I taught a boy. Uh, he was a lovely lad, but he really couldn't cope with the transition from carpet to table. So every single lesson that we had, I would say, okay, everybody, you ready? Off you go to your tables, go and get on. And every single lesson, he would go under a table and, and would be very difficult to get out. No. And if I, I took those experiences when I was creating You Teach Me and said, what is a quality teaching and learning video? Well, to me, it's any video that enables every, any student to get better outcomes in a lesson. So if I was still teaching that boy, I would, ahead of the lesson, I would grab a device and I would hit record and I'd say, now Clive, not his real name, now Clive, um, you're watching this because what I want you to do is blah, 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 and talk for two minutes and just waffle on for Clive and then I'd upload it into you teach me and I'd send it to Clive's account so that mm. when we got to that transition point I would hand him an iPad and I'd say just watch that Clive right everybody else off you go go and get on 
And then I'd go and get the rest of the class going and I come back to Clive, who's still sat on the carpet. And I go, right, you ready? Come on then. I'll go and I'll make sure you sat at the table. I'm working in this way. That's a teaching and learning video. And who am I to say, or anybody else, that's not a good enough resource to go into you teach me. So the whole notion of quality assurance starts to fall away. Mm -hmm. um, particularly when you start to say, okay, I've made this video for Clive. Does it have any educational merit for anybody else? Well, you could say clearly not, not unless you've mm -hmm. got a, a student called Clive. Um, but actually, you know, if you look at trainee teachers, you look at early career teachers, you look at teachers who are struggling to manage behavior and you say, okay, well, I, as the deputy head have made this video to engage a student that has some behavioral challenges, watch and listen to it. Listen to how I'm talking to this child. Listen to how I'm building that relationship. Look at the reasoning behind me making this video and sharing it with him and start to unpick that behavior is about relationships and behavior is about helping students to leap that, that gap wherever it is that, that triggers some of their behaviors. And then just use technology to plug it because it's really simple to do. You know, it's much quicker to grab a device, hit record, make a two minute video and upload it than it is to spend 20 minutes trying to coax a seven year old out from under a table. And, yeah. and therefore the outcomes are better. So these were all the challenges that I was starting. I'd, I'd spent years trying to explain to school leaders and, and not getting to where we needed to be. So eventually we've worked with the schools that we work with to say, OK, how do we how do we look at saying, well, actually, as a school leader, as a trust leader or an alliance leader, you can start to mute content. So you, if you see a video in your account, and you know there's, there's well over 10,000 videos in there now, if you look at a video and you go, well, that's not quite right, then within an admin area that we provide, you can just click a button and it just disappears off the search page. And therefore you haven't got to worry about your staff seeing it. Um, and so you know, that's now going down very well with the schools that we work with. And it starts to change the conversation from, well, what are you doing to quality assure, you know, video content you teach me? I'm making it very much more about saying, but you are in absolute control. So you can, mm -hmm. you can decide what work of other um, schools and other professionals and, and so on, right down to a single video. So yeah. if you've got a sex and relationship policy and there's a video on there that doesn't fit with your policy, you can just click a button and, and problem solved. So, you know, we're now at a point where I'm, I'm happy to say, you know, we've resolved the issues around quality assurance, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. Well, a very important metric, as you will have recognised, is feedback from, from, from Clive et al., isn't it? So what, what kind of feedback have, have you been uh, receiving from, from the kids? They absolutely love it. Mm. And so, you know, the schools that we work with have said things like, you know, special schools have said, our students are so completely engaged when they see us on the telly as they, as they see it. And uh, a few years ago, I saw a tweet from Ed Dorrell, who at the time was um, one of the editors at Times Ed. And he tweeted out to say, I've, I've been mulling over the bet show. And um, it struck me that there's not a lot of innovation in, in technology and in education technology. And I, I thought, right, there you go. There's a, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dangle a carrot in front of him. So I tweeted him back and I said, Ed, you're not looking in the right place. You need to come to Derby. I'll show you some innovation in, ed in education technology. Anyway, fair play to him. He replied and he said, all right, challenge accepted on, on the understanding that you take me into a school and show me this, this ed tech that you're working on in a school setting. And I said, sure, no problem at all. So um, 
we were very kindly hosted by Ashmount School, um, which is a 4 to 19 PMLD school in Loughborough. It's a national teaching school, regional advisory school, who have taken You Teach Me and run with it in loads of different directions. So exciting. And um, so Ed and I went into this school and we sat with students with profound and multiple learning disabilities. And we went into one particular classroom and we were in there for about 15 minutes, 20 minutes, something like that. And we caught the tail end of the previous lesson. And then we saw a session um, that involved You Teach Me because they don't use it in every lesson or throughout the day, it's not feasible to do that. Um, anyway, there was these young people who'd got lots of attention difficulties, um, lots of autism you know, amongst the students and, and that kind of stuff. And, and the teacher said, um, right, okay, remember what we were doing yesterday? And what, what that teacher was doing was using you teach me in a way that I'd never never imagined even possible, which is those students, because of their inclusion needs, have difficulty retain, retaining learning for a, a period of time. And so historically, they've spent the first 15, 20 minutes of every lesson recapping what they've done the previous lesson. Whereas what they do now is they video some of the some of the learning because you teach me is you know banking and grade banking grades you know encrypted and all that kind of safety stuff with the permission of parents and the young people if appropriate they actually video some of the students doing the work in the lesson and then they upload it into you teach me and then the next lesson they watch the students watch themselves from the previous day from the previous lesson and it engages them in a way that is is so much more powerful so we i sat there with ed doral and and when the video of the students themselves doing their learning from the previous lesson came on all the noise disappeared and one lad who'd been self-electing to exclude himself from the session and was the other side of the room picked up a chair came and sat down and oh. sat right in front of the screen and watched himself and and it's these things that to me make the biggest difference you know edtech isn't it's it's incredibly powerful if you harness it in the right way but it's not just about English and maths and science. It's not just about, you know, PE activities. It's about, it's about the deep and, and you know, far-reaching work that teachers and, and, and staff do in schools and how if you put it in somebody's hands and go, well, actually, here's a methodology by which you can meet the needs of your young people, whatever they are, and you can do it in a way that shares your practice with your colleagues, everybody benefits. And therefore... But you know, you you get engagement like you've never seen before. So the student, if they're if it's a student in a mainstream school, you know, well, yeah, I get the act, I get the benefit of my teacher twenty four seven. You know, I've got a library of content I've been sent historically, etc. That my teacher's chosen to share with me. I can go back and I can be independent and I can you know do revision from my teacher's teaching, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um, so yeah, you know, engagement from students and from parents, interestingly, goes up absolutely astronomically when when mm. you teach me is introduced but it, it's fascinating that you've what you've managed to or you are managing to pull off is that this individual individualized learning of course it feels personalized but at the same time the students don't feel as though they're being um, taught by some faceless behemoth you know a, a massive corporation who who um are very sort of remote from the, the process of education so it sort of feels very one-to-one -one. it's all about me 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 absolutely you know we've we've had years of trying to articulate who we are and what we do and why we're here and all those kinds of challenges because we're we're unlike any ed tech i've ever seen you know and for a long time we've even questioned whether we even are an ed tech 
you know, because we do the opposite of, seemingly we do the opposite of everybody else. You know, we say, well, actually, the learner is not the most important person in a school. The children are not the most important people in school. And I know that's a controversial thing to say. But when I was working as a head teacher, trying to rapidly improve the school, I knew that my job was to help the teachers to be more effective. And it was the teacher's job to help the children learn more effectively. And therefore, I focused all of my energy and all of my efforts on helping the teachers to become good or outstanding teachers with deep pedagogical knowledge and all of the support and all of the challenges that they needed to become very effective very quickly. The students, of course, you know, this, the, the impact on students and their ability to, to achieve their potential and all the rest of it, yeah, that's really important. But, but surely, you know, the most important people in the education system are teachers because there's that whole thing about, you know, no education system can be, you know, greater than the sum of its parts and, you know, better than the quality of its teachers. And yet we, our metrics for, for measuring impact are, well, how well has this cohort of children achieved versus that cohort of children? But the children leave and the teachers stay, you know, and mm. a teacher who is, you know, let's be honest, in your, in your teaching career, you reach a point pretty quickly where you become difficult to employ unless you're moving up the career ladder, as it's seen, and into leadership. You know, a teacher who's been teaching five or six years can't just go on oh, and go move school now because, you know, there's the cost implications and all of that kind of stuff. So realistically, when a teacher arrives in a school and they stay for a period of time, it's very hard for them to go anywhere else unless they're going to become an assistant head or, you know, et cetera. And therefore you can have a teacher who's working in the same building for 30, 40 years. So mm. to look at to look at a, a cohort of children and go, you are more important in terms of my thinking and my focus and my energy and all the rest of it than somebody who's going to be here for the next 30 years, to me, is slightly odd. So mm. you teach me is not about, you know, saying how do we help every child learn maths more effectively or how do we help every child develop their PE skills? It is about those things, but actually we're about the fundamentals of what education is really all about. And this, this goes back to the whole ed tech thing. I personally think ed tech was named incorrectly hmm. because when you look at ed tech historically, you know, it's been about learning. It's been about assessment. It's been about, you know, those engaging activities that, that you know, technology can deliver, et cetera, et cetera. But actually, that's not education. That's teaching. That's that's learning. That's assessment. Education is schools. Education mm. is trusts and alliances. Education is the very system itself. And so, you know, in a weird kind of way, you teach me is the first ed tech because actually we we focus on improving education. Mm. And if if you improve education and you improve schools and you improve teachers, the net result is well, actually, every every pupil benefits, particularly if you drive down the complete inclusion route. And I think that's been part of our learning journey ourselves as, as individuals and as, as a company is understanding the true purpose of why we exist. And, and for us, you know, it's only in the last 12 months, I would say, you know, and when I'm nigh on 10 years into this, into this journey out of headship and, 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 you know, working on you teach me full time, but it's taken me nearly a decade to get to the point where I go, oh, yeah, I get it. Actually, we're, we're, we exist to solve the problems that are unsolvable without technology. 
we exist yeah. to solve the problems of inclusion and you know language accessibility and professional development for a teacher working in a, in a classroom in a single intake year group in a small school who doesn't get access to you know the stuff that teachers in bigger schools get all of those inequalities can melt away if you harness technology in the right way and you work with schools to say what's your challenges what do you need we'll go out and and try and find solutions to them yeah and and of, of course correct me if i'm wrong but we wouldn't even be having this conversation had um you know you and your developers not solved a technical issue that, that have been ongoing that have been you know there for, for about three years do you, do you remember was there a light bulb moment or something that happened to, to solve that problem do you remember anything about it um to be honest i'm not sure i do um there's been so many barriers in fact my yeah. wife i i joke in now i go out in public and i jokingly say you know my my wife somehow hasn't smothered me in my sleep because <laughs> um, i've i've been on this on this journey of all right i've had this idea my wife's a teacher she's the same coming to school so she, she understands on many levels um but you know i've always said I know, I know what I'm kind of working on, but I don't know. I don't, yeah, I don't know where I'm going to end up with it. And and so it's been a procession of barriers. So, you know, I started out as a mainstream infant head teacher, came up with this idea that would work for infant schools and junior schools. Then said, well, yeah, it will work for us, but our students are a bit older. You know, they work slightly differently. And then in secondary schools, um, one one of my brothers is deputy of a secondary school. So we started through him working with his secondary school. And he was like, yeah, but come on. Ours are independent. They don't work like that. So what you're doing is great, but you need to tweak it. Um, and then I was introduced through Derby University to um, some school leaders. And hence, I work with special schools. And then it became, okay, so what does what does teaching and learning look like in special schools? And how do you, how do you bend what you're doing to overcome their challenges? So... You know, special schools are saying they've solved problems that have always existed in terms of how do you deliver quality first teaching to us to, an, for example, an autistic student who needs time out in the sensory room because, you know, they've they've uh, are unable to cope in the classroom. How do you how do you deliver quality first teaching and where leading schools um, in that sector say, actually, you've solved that problem because our teaching just goes with them on a device and it's me. I'm still teaching. I'm still giving them their input in the sensory room that's amazing to hear and then you meet deaf schools and deaf schools start to go well yeah but that's great but you know our, our, our students can't hear um and then then there was a really interesting one that cropped up when the pandemic hit because obviously covid shifted shifted the entire world and particularly education um and it tipped it off its axis and and it's it's trying education i think is trying to get back but it also knows that it will never go back to how it used to be um, because there will always be a pandemic readiness kind of expectation in the, in the Ofsted frameworks um, mm. and so on and so forth. So the schools that use You Teach Me said, brilliant, we're just going 100% You Teach Me. Forget Teams, forget Google Classrooms. You Teach Me is the methodology. And one of the desk schools we work with was creating content, pushing it out, and then came to us and said, there's a fundamental inequality in this poll, which is our students are receiving um, videos in in sign language uh, and therefore silent movies um but although they're accessing them at home if the stu if our students doesn't understand it 
their parent typically doesn't use sign language and certainly not to, you know, finding the nth term of a quadratic sequence. Um, and therefore their parent can't access the teaching because it's in a language that they don't speak or use. Um, and therefore our students, their disability is still affecting their ability to, you know, their e equality of opportunity. How do you solve that problem using technology? And so we said, no idea, <laughs> but, <laughs> but let's work on it. So, so for the for six months of last year, across lockdowns one and two, we worked with the deaf schools and we found a deaf organizer, a deaf-led organization in Birmingham, and we worked on a solution whereby we would take the teaching content in sign language and we would supply it with the teacher's permission to this deaf organization where they had specialist sign language interpreters and they, those interpreters would then send us the sound file and then we was, as a company would blend it all together and then we had decisions to make about how you represent it um, and, and so we ended up having conversations with deaf, with profoundly deaf teachers that have never happened before this is what we're being told which is when you when you teach you know finding the nth term of a quadratic sequence in sign language um, the person who's going to translate your teaching into English do they have to be the same gender as you? Because in, in the deaf world, it's accepted that if, if a male interpreter turns up and you're female, that's fine, mm. and vice versa. But nobody's ever thought about how you take technology and you use it to solve problems in deaf education. Um, and does it matter? So, you know, we went to the deaf teachers and we said, you're, you're a female, does it matter if a man translate your translate your teaching and and i got the reply and then, mm, good question i don't know let's go and ask some questions so they went off and they went to the deaf teachers and they said does it matter and they came out and said yeah actually gender specificity does matter in this so if it's a man it has to be a, ma a male that's translating it and and the same for females um and then you get the challenges of okay in deaf education there is there is this sense that they're second class citizens that deaf teachers and teachers of the deaf are in, perceived within the deaf world to be of lower ability or lower quality. And so we were then saying, okay, how do we, how do we make sure that what we build actually overcomes that, that shows the respect of deaf teachers and teachers of the deaf, and also respects the language? Because BSL, you know, there's, there's the Rosie who's dancing on Strictly Come Dancing at the moment, is doing wonders for the deaf world and that representation is massive for them um but what we wanted to say was you know there's no there's no gcse bf in bsl so a language that's used by tens of thousands of children in the uk and, and hundreds of thousands of adults there's no there's no qualification in it and that's a massive issue for deaf for deaf learners and for deaf people across the country so we wanted to, to show that we respect BSL as a language in its own right. And so when we took those, those teaching videos and got the sound files, we blended them together to create an entirely new instance. So the original video created by a teacher using sign language stays as it is, so that it's, it's respected in its own right. If you want an accessible version, and then you teach me, an accessible version is for a hearing person, then you click an icon underneath it and it will then play you the accessible version with the translation over the top and solving these kinds of challenges is what take has taken you know 10 years of my life because yeah. these are very specific and very contextual challenges that 
I don't believe anybody's ever worked on before. But if you mm. can do it and you can get people to see that they're valued and, and trusted and respected and supported, then you can really start to transform education. Yeah, and, and, th and through that, of course, you've, you've created some, you know, very targeted products, of course, that are, that are having a great deal of impact. Um, I'd imagine you have to spend a great deal of your time listening to people, too, to, so that you can understand their needs and what, what, where they're coming from and how you can help them with those, uh, those needs. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, there's been chance conversations that have led us in really unusual directions. So um, about three years ago, I started employing a very experienced teacher. He'd, he'd gone into semi-retirement and I'd, he was a PE lead in Derby um, and I'd been a PE lead. So I passed across many times and he's a real character, but he's an amazing teacher. And, and I was looking at the schools using you teach me and seeing that it was embedding in some classrooms or in some year groups, but it wasn't, it wasn't consistently embedding enough across, across the whole school. And that's because, you know, when you work in education, you know that technology is not great. You know, Wi-Fi is dodgy and machines break down and all that kind of, all those barriers, um, plus workload. So, so we took the decision that actually we needed to employ a teacher to go in and work with schools. And so he's been going in and we're working with a variety of schools um, ever since. And, um, you know, we, we basically said, I went into one into a special school actually i went in and and to say i've employed a teacher i'm going to send him in every monday and you, you can release whoever you want to release he will work with them he will do the videoing they just do the teaching bits and then he will do the video editing and he'll sit and upload it on the understanding that what's created is actually shared beyond your school so as long as the members of staff are happy to do that we're happy to come in and support we won't charge you for it we'll just come in and do it um which which has been transformational because teachers, support staff, people who would normally shy away from technology have actually gone, oh, well, if you're doing all that, fine, yeah, I can do the teaching. And so what you start to get is, you know, staff who work in the kitchens in the special school doing demonstrations of correct chopping techniques for different fruits and vegetables and all that kind of stuff. So wow. that the teachers in the school are able to support the students, but also able to push the content home to say, hey, this is how we're teaching your child to cook and prepare food, et cetera, et cetera. Can you practice with this with your child? And so, you know, we're unlocking amazing potential within schools. Um, and, and so I'd gone in to sit down with the school leader and say, this is what we want to do. We want to send the teacher. David, he's amazing. Um, and in that conversation, it was, it was a school leader I know well um, through You Teach Me. And normally she's absolutely cool as a cucumber. You know, she's a specialist leader of education. She's just amazing. And she was on edge this, this day. And I said, are you all right? And she said, oh, it's a big day for us. Um, one of our students who leaves us in, in a few weeks' time, because it was summer term, um, is trying to get to school independently on the bus today. And this is the third time they've tried. And the previous twice, they haven't arrived. Um, and I said, well, surely you, you teach me could help with that. And she said, what do you mean? And I said, well, you know, if you... If you if you made videos that showed situations that can happen in and around buses and traveling on buses, you could, you could watch them and you could have conversations and, you know, you could do some preparation for bus travel in the classroom. And she said, oh, interesting idea. So anyway, David and I, that weekend, went out in and around Derby in bus stops, um, making very short videos about uh, stuff that can happen. And the very first video we made was David standing in a bus stop looking at a number of coins in his hand. And, and then he looks at the camera and he goes, uh, oh no, I haven't got enough bus fare. What should I do? 
and that was it, 12 second video. Um, and then we made other videos like, you know, a bus pulling up and, and David looks at the camera and goes, oh dear, this bus is the wrong color. My bus is blue and this one's pink. Should I get on it? Um, designed to start conversations with students with additional needs. So a student with autism, who's trying to get to school on the bus, who's always caught a, a blue bus and the pink bus turns up, won't get on it. That's the reality. That's not my bus. I'm not going to get on that. So we uploaded these videos in You Teach Me, and they appeared in a different city, in a classroom of this, the teachers of this young person. And at the right time, in, in a safe environment, with the right member of staff, they pull it up on a big screen, they watch a 12-second video, and they go, what would you do then? And then the students start speaking. And that, that, sing, that single conversation opened up an entirely new way of thinking about video learning. That mm. the, the video itself has always been perceived to be the methodology by which learning happens. But mm. actually, that, that to a degree removes the teacher from the equation. You know, mm. And there are elements within You Teach Me that, that prevents that, because obviously it's the teacher choosing to share it, and the teacher can have made it. But actually, the, the, the real teaching, no video can teach an 18-year-old with autism how to manage a situation that might occur on a bus or in a bus station or et cetera, et cetera. There's only the professionals working with that young person who are able to do that teaching. But what the technology can do, what the video can do, is to trigger that quality conversation. And, and the school, the feedback from the school was, these are just unbelievably good. Can you make some more? So we said, yeah, sure. So we got in touch with Ariva. We went and filmed, spent a day videoing um, with, with Ariva on their buses, made about 125 videos. That was the initial starting point. And we made videos about, you know, somebody sitting next to me and I can't get out, out, out of my seat and the bus is going too fast and I feel scared. And right down to, you know, I've lent on the bell and now the bus is stopping and I don't want to get off. <laughs> you know, what should yeah. I do? So all just showing a situation and asking a question. To, to trigger a conversation. Um, we then work with East Midlands Trains, we've worked with taxi companies, we've been into cinemas and supermarkets, um, we've been into hairdressers, and we, it, because it, it dawned on us that actually, what child doesn't need to learn how to become independent? And that education is not just English, math and science, not just PE and art and dance, it's actually, how do I develop life skills? How do I become, how do I become independent? Because every child needs to, at some point, go out into the big wide world and travel on a bus on their own. And how do you prepare for that? And actually, when my, when my daughter was transitioning from year six to year seven, I used some of the videos that we made. And, and you know, she, she doesn't have additional needs. So we were able to sit and look at the videos, one after another. Dun, 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 dun. And what would you do there? What, what, what's the answer to that? And, yeah. and one video emerged with my daughter. And that video was um, a bus arriving. And David steps off. And the bus drives off. And then David looks at the camera and goes, oh no, I've left my bag on the bus. What should I do? And I showed this video to my daughter and, and she said, well, you just wait here for the bus to come back. And I said, okay, let's, let, let's, let's, let's talk about a bus and let's talk about a bus route and how long you would have to stand there and wait. And then let's talk about, well, you know, are, is everybody honest? And would your bag even be there when, when the bus comes back? Um, and what that then became is actually understand the importance of looking after your belongings and yeah. understand how to, you know, handle every situation, et cetera, et cetera. And then it led into stranger danger online, offline, managing interactions with strangers, all that stuff that 
actually we all know that every young person needs to learn but how do you how do you make it so that it's accessible for everybody and inclusive of everybody and done in a way that actually meets the needs of young people and mm. how do you do it so that you're putting it into the hands of, of professionals and parents through you teach me too um so that they're able to do those things um yeah. so so yeah you know the the challenges that that we've faced continue to face you know we're working on interesting challenges now that you know are <laughs> stretching us in lots of ways but the diversity of of what we find ourselves working in is as diverse as the education system itself because yeah. i you know as a mainstream person i had no idea that travel training existed and when i went in and sat down with that school leader who went well you know of course we have to teach our young people how to travel on a bus it's called travel mm. training we do it every week um it was an eye-opener and mm. if, you know if it's an eye-opener for me it's going to be an eye-opener for everybody else in education you know because how often do primary schools go into special schools or how often do secondary schools go into primary schools and how often does mainstream go into a deaf setting it just doesn't happen absolutely and how much do they have in common in, in terms of challenges that's that's i mean that's that's one thing that you've really sort of uh, opened up there which is lovely um this this has been wonderful paul honestly i'm so grateful that you spent the time uh, talking to us about this um i expected it to be really engaging because all, all of our conversations are engaging but there's just so much warmth and heart and creativity that i've heard from you um about what you've achieved over the last um three years and oh, sorry 10 years and how uh, tricky it's been so it's just great to hear so it's such a nimble thinking uh, going on which is what uh, as you'll know from your work in teaching that's what we do as teachers isn't it we're, we're very nimble thinkers and creative thinkers and we're great problem solvers but uh, in your case this is uh, this is off the scale so thank you so much it's an absolute pleasure Pete thank you thank you so much for giving me the opportunity to talk well we'll talk again soon um, uh, just for a couple of seconds uh, once I hit once I hit the record button to, to stop recording, we'll talk about how we can follow this up as well over the next uh, few months. Fantastic. Look forward to that. Thanks, Paul. Well, you take care. Thank you so much. I'll hit record now. Thanks again. Yes, thank you. What well, was not useful, but that's your lot. See you next time.